welcome back to another episode on the Property and Lending Podcast. As always, we're joined with Fadi and uh, Mark Lara. How are you, boys? We're good. How are you going? I'm excellent. Um, not Probably not copying as many calls as you guys at the moment with interest rates going nuts and whatnot. Um, so I don't envy you. Um, but, you know, we were having a chat just before about, you know, with the interest rates, different types of properties and different types of phone calls that we've all been receiving. And obviously, and one of the big ones is off the plan and house and land packages. So for, we all thought, why not do a uh, do an episode on that? So I might start. Freddie, do you want to like, what's an off the plan property or what's a house and land? You know, what does that mean? Because people might not know what that is. Um, so off the plan pretty much means you're purchasing something that is not yet prepared or something that's going to be prepared in a year or two. It just depends on when registration is happening. Now, this is always a funny thing where you go see, let's say, certain ones like Lee Homes or Marston Homes or whatever it may be, and they promise you the world, yeah, it should be registered by June 2022. But, you know, obviously in this sort of market, we, we all know that council's kind of slowing everything down. Uh, registration of land is not going through. So we're finding our customers now waiting around um, in regards to when that property is going to be ready or land being registered as well. Um, also, when you purchase off the plan, you really can't get a pre-approval in place. So you're hoping that once the land is registered and is ready, that you're able to get a pre-approval at the time, whether it's a year or two years from now. Yeah, okay. So essentially, these are properties that are not yet built um, yeah. and you're, you're, paying, you're buying it before it gets built and you're literally buying it off a plan. Um, yeah. And then two years later when it's built or whatever, then you pay for the rest of it and whatnot. Is it is it from a lending perspective, Mark? Is it is it like different um, to buying a regular property, like a regular existing property? Is there differences that the bank, um, in terms of requirements, trying to get a loan, or is it fairly similar? Well, like with what Fadi said, you can't um, actually apply for anything until within the last three months of it actually being finished, and it also has to be registered. So. Um, you know, you can have your formal approval and valuation, everything done within three months of settlement. Um, but because we don't know when the build will finish, we don't know when settlement will be. Um, so, yeah, a lot of the time you're just waiting around for the real estate agent to um, inform you when um, the, builder, the builder will hand over the project and it's finished and it has um, all the certificates and it's been registered and all that sort of stuff. So a lot of the time you're just waiting around um, and then within the last three months before settlement, uh, we can apply for everything. The reason why I say three months is because your formal approval, just like a pre-approval, lasts for 90 days. Um, and the valuation as well, with different banks have different requirements, but generally um, the valuation has to be within 90 days of settlement for them to use that. And keep in mind, as soon as the land is registered, so let's say, for example, we've got a customer at the moment, she's given us a call that her land is finally going to be registered soon in the next 14 days from council. One, we, we settle on the land first. So the land needs to be settled first. And then once this land is settled and we get that, what Mark is referring to is the fixed building contract from the builders, that's when we apply for the building, for the construction loan, basically. Once that first progress drawdown on the construction loan is done, that's just going to continue throughout the construction of it. So it's pretty much formally approved as the land. Then you have formally approved as the build later on as well. Once the, once the builder hands out that fixed building contract and you sign off on it, of course. So if someone was uh, going to buy an off-the-plan property, at what stage do you still want them to talk to you as they're doing it or just wait till there's no point in telling the broker? Or should you be informed from the start anyway? 
Um, it's it's always good to be informed from the start. I definitely recommend that because you, you first want to know if you're able to borrow for that loan if it were happening today. And at the same time, we also try and work with higher interest rates to think about the future and try to think about worst case scenario. And it's so important to be, you know, the communication between a broker and a customer in that sort of scenario on a month-to-month basis, on a quarter basis, just to make sure that everything in their life has remained the same, if not better. So we're in that same position whenever that land is going to be registered, that we're in that same position to still be able to service that loan and also go for that construction loan. Yeah. Okay, makes sense. Uh, from from my perspective, when we're building uh, investment portfolios for, for clients, and we, I've said this many times on the show, and I know um, you're pretty much on the same wavelength, but for you, well, I'm not for uh, very anti off the plan, very anti house and land packages, similar to apartments, and there are so many reasons why. Um, we've, you know, one of the, I guess, one of the draw cards that people, you know, uh, get, I guess, one of the reasons why people get drawn to it is, you know, the, all the marketing around it, oh, pay $2,000 today, and that's it. And then in two years' time, worry about it. Um, but that, in its essence, is a big problem right and like something that you guys are alluding to where you can't you, you can't get the loan till three months before it's done or right at the end you've signed the contract today to buy this off the plan property and then for the next two years 18 months your money is completely tied up because you have no idea you don't know how much it's going to cost you you don't know how much deposit you're going to need and whatnot do you have any do you see any valuation issues on your end um when it comes to off the plan or house and land packages Mark. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> it definitely, definitely can happen. Um, for example, if someone ends up buying a property um, during a booming market and it's ready two years later and the market sort of flips on you, the valuation is going to come up short and there's literally nothing anyone can do. I mean, we can order valuations with a bunch of lenders. They're all going to come in short because if the market's not where it was when you purchased, then it's that's just the story. It's not where it is now. Um, so yeah, definitely valuations is a big, is a big issue. Um, <clears throat> the other thing I was going to say as well, Fadi mentioned a good point as well. Like if your, if your circumstances change throughout the process, we're not actually formally applying for the formal approval where the banks do their last assessment on you, um, until right at the end, because, because we simply can't. Um, so if you sign something today and you lose your job or change industry or move to casual or go self-employed go as a contract independent contractor any of these sort of things um, it could impact your ability to even get a loan approved um you know your income needs to be verified by the banks according to their credit policy and if you fall outside of that they won't give you the loan whatever it doesn't matter what you sign they're not gonna um, sort of give you the loan so it's uh, that's another one of the very big risks as well and it's, it's pretty interesting the last couple of years especially with COVID and all that it's pretty funny how things have shifted across. So throughout COVID, people were purchasing land, which was awesome. And sometimes, like Mark can attest to this, um, the valuations would actually come back. I think KM would be calling him, bro, you wouldn't believe it. The valuations came back more than what the purchase price was. Even though the bank is not going to go off what the valuation would be, which is the higher price, it was going to uh, go uh, upon the contract to sell. But we're now going to some sort of a market where now we have people that purchase land during the COVID period at those lower interest rates, and now borrowing is now being affected coming at this time as well. So we're not just looking at the valuations, you know, falling short. We're also looking at borrowing as well because people purchase those properties, you know, on the impression that they're going to be able to service. But now that we're moving into a higher buffer rate with interest rates changing, to me, it feels like on a weekly basis, like I'll be calling Mark, I'm like, bro, did that just change? 
<laughs> then they just changed like last week or last Tuesday. Like I, I could so much to keep up with, but it's actually interesting that we've never actually seen this shift before where where you got that much of a concern also off the plan for servicing as well, not just valuations. Um, but one yeah. of the questions I wanted to ask you is as a, as a buyer's agent, and I've had customers as well in, 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 have approached you, like they want to purchase land interstate, which is cheaper. They want to build like a duplex interstate, which is cheaper as well than the here is in Sydney. What would you say about that in regards to an investment? Let's say it's not off the plan. Let's say the land's getting registered in the next couple of months. They're going to purchase the land, build a duplex, and they have rental income coming from it. Would that be a scenario where you would recommend or advise is a good scenario to be in? Or Yeah, it's, not look, it's de- a, definitely a different uh, strategy um, to the, I guess, more common regular passive income strategy of buying property, holding and doing nothing with it and just letting the property do its own thing. Um, when we're looking at development projects or building, buying land and holding or whatnot, there's a lot of different factors. Uh, if it's just a buy and hold land, we obviously have to take into consideration the mortgage attached to it because there is no rental income coming from that property and how that's going to affect your serviceability moving forward. Is it worth it? What's the end goal of just buying this land? Are you gonna, most people that buy land and hold are doing so to sell um eventually and most of these people have already got well-established property portfolios this is just something at the end where they can afford it um their rent from the other properties are paying for and whatnot when it comes to the building and developing you know i always have this problem that people don't run the numbers properly uh properly sorry um unless you're a builder a lot of the time you're not making money right because a builder is obviously going to pay cost price they're not you know they're not going to charge themselves to build it Whereas if I was to go build, do a project, uh, wherever it's in Sydney, Brisbane, Adelaide, Melbourne, wherever, I have to build, I have to get a builder to, to build it. I'm not a builder. So that builder is going to charge me for the materials to build the property. And then he's going to charge me for his time. Um, he's doing a job like any other job. So he's going to get paid. So I've got to pay the builder. I've got to pay for the materials. I've got to pay for the land. And because I'm paying the builder, my cost, of build or the, the project, the cost for the project has gone up dramatically. And when you start to look at the numbers, if you bought land for 500, you built for 500, that's a million, and you sold both plots of land for 600, that's 1.2 people, like, yeah, I made 200 grand. But you really didn't. Uh, you got CGT, which is taking half of it, so you've only got a, you know 100 grand left. Even the selling agent's taking his money or her money, so that's 20 grand from that, so you got 80 grand left. Even you were paying interest over the 12 months and interest rates keep going up. So you pay 15 grand. So there's 50 grand left. Um, and then you paid stamp duty. And usually people who do this kind of strategy of developing, they're doing not just one project, they're doing multiple. So you have to include your re-entry costs. So I've got to pay stamp duty again to get back into the market to do it again. So you got to take all of this into account. So I think there's a, there's definitely a place for it in the market. And the, if you're not a builder, it's all about volume yeah. um, because your margins are small. Um, if you're just going to build and sell straight away. If you're going to build and hold and whatnot, that's a different story. So that's a different strategy, um, I think, to answer your question. Yeah, because there's no point of purchasing land with no return on investment at the moment. That's not really investing. You're just holding. But I guess you've answered my question, but let's say that the person's ready to go. They purchase the land, build the duplexes, and they're looking to hold on to those duplexes. And let's say they're, they're possibly geared. Yeah, they're going to take that hit in that year during construction. And obviously with stamp duty, but they're paying stamp duty on just the land, correct? When they're purchasing, let's say they purchase vacant land, and they're pay, uh, they're purchasing, you know, sorry, paying the stamp duty just on the land, and then you know, 
basically building two dwellings and renting them out. Because we see a lot of customers come through and they try to do this interstate. Is that something, is that like an investor sort of thing to do? Yeah, look, it's it's definitely an option. What we will do is take whatever budget they have for the whole project and run a data analysis across the country to see is it worth it. If, if I can get the same returns from buying an existing property straight off the bat without the headache and building is a headache, um, why would I? But if I can obviously get superior returns and I'm willing to go through this headache, um, then yeah, it's definitely a, an option for people holding on to a dual income property, you know, fantastic in the eyes of the bank, fantastic in the eyes of your wallet as well. So yeah. um, definitely, definitely something that we look at, but it's definitely a case by case and it depends where you are in your portfolio. A lot of times we don't like it for first time investors um, really, we think you should have a good base to your portfolio before you start branching out to commercial developments and whatnot. Um, I just wanted to talk about something you mentioned before your question about the valuations and the interest rates going up. I think one of the biggest risks with off the plan is this time of unknown. So today I buy a property off the plan and it's not settling till 2023 or 2024. In this time, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen to the market. I don't know what's going to happen to interest rates. We might have another COVID. We might have a you know a media strike. Well, you don't know. And I buy this property thinking it's going to cost seven hundred, and then two years time, the market's completely crapped itself, and it's worth five hundred. And you know that's two hundred thousand dollar gap that you owe. You got to pay it somehow, right? Um, and for that reason, firstly, your money's tied up. So you've lost opportunity costs for two years where you can't do anything. A mad opportunity comes up, a business potential comes up, whatever. You can't do anything. And like Mark was saying, you can't have a change in circumstances. Don't get married. Don't have kids. Don't change jobs. Don't do nothing. You stay as you are for two years. Everything has to stay the same. Your salary has to stay yeah. the same. All not better. All better. So it's, yeah. it's very – and I can't remember the exact stat. Um, but we spoke about this before on the podcast a long, long time ago. I think it was around 65. It was definitely above half. I think it was around 65% of properties purchased off the plan don't come in uh, the same valuation when it comes time to do it, which is like, that's ridiculous. Six out of 10 properties or seven out of 10 properties off the plan, when you buy it, you're going to end up paying more money out of your pocket because of the valuation because you don't know what's going to happen to the market. And the flip side to it, and you know, you were saying we saw a lot of people make money. The flip side to it is the contracts that are written up are so complicated and so complex, and they've got these little little clauses, the sunset clauses, and the sunset clause is there to protect the buyer, but really the builders are using it for themselves. And what they do is the sunset clause is allowing the buyer to pull out if yeah. the building is not complete by a certain time or whatever. When the market is going nuts and the builder's like, oh, I sold this for 700 but I could sell it for 900 they stop building. Yeah. Yeah. They force you to leave because they could sell it off to someone else. So you're never in a good position. You never have power. You never have control over these. I just have to say, don't get me started because another thing that you just brought up that's interesting is right now we're also looking at construction costs going up. So we're finding a lot of our customers coming back to us that purchased land and they thought they were safe. They Part of the sunset clause was up to the 18th, oh, sorry, up to the 30th of June, 2022. Your construction costs are not going to go up. But they've been stuck with council. We've been trying to get it approved so we can start construction, but they're just stuck with council. And yeah, now they're being told between 12 and a half to 20% extra that they're going to need from the bank to complete this build, basically. And that's another thing that we've found as new challenges in this sort of market where now construction costs are not just fixed building contracts now. There's variations. There's variable building contracts now 
where that can change with those sunset clauses, which is just yeah. another extra thing where, I don't know, personally for me, it turns me off because like you said, it ties up your money. You really can't do anything else like open a new business, another house that will come across. Heck, you might find the love of your life and, you know, you want to jump ship and buy a house with her now. You just don't know. Um, and I know, Mark, like we've had a few customers call in as well saying that, okay, what do we do? Um, do we apply? And a lot of these customers are first-time buyers that went for the government scheme as well and have maximized themselves as well. And now we're having builders coming out back and saying, well, we need an extra at least 12.5% from the bank to complete your bill. Yeah. So, and, and like about that, when you come to get a construction loan from the bank and they do, they do evaluation on whatever the finished product will be, um, the value will go out, look at the building plans and the contract and everything. You'll get a list of the inclusions of the um, like of the finishes and stuff to get an idea of how it's going to look like so you can do a valuation. Once that valuation comes in, if the builder wants more, the valuation isn't going to go up. And the bank's not going to let, let's say you can borrow anything from this bank. There's no restriction. Obviously, that's not happening. But let's say there's no restriction. You're not going to be able to take out above 80% without LMI. Um, and... Uh, one other thing is that, you know, with all these big building um, companies going under now um, and the building costs going up and labor costs going up as well, if anyone anyone was to go under while they're building a project, they're not going to finish the project. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot more risk now than two, three years ago. Yeah. Well, the um, the W that's being built in Sydney Sydney, uh, Sydney City is not is, – that's it. They're not building it. They stopped yeah. their mid-construction yeah. mid yeah. because – They've uh, they've gone. They're going to find anyone to lease it to even when it's done. Well, they're they're putting it back to tender to try and get someone else to build it. But that's how volatile it can be. I think from a I think from look there is I think there is a place for off market properties in general. Similar like there is a place for apartments, and it's usually the unoccupier side where it provides affordable housing for people to buy and live in you know, in the city. Um, apartments are obviously considerably cheaper than buying a house and, and off-the-plan properties are usually quite um, lower priced than buying an existing property as well for reason. But from an investment perspective and even from an unoccupied perspective, it's still a bit risky because you buy it and then you, you think you're getting something and then it gets built and it's completely different. Um, but from an investment perspective, I think it's always important to look at the fundamentals because I get calls all the time. I found this off-the-plan, what, what an opportunity. And the reason it's not, it's not an opportunity just for you. Anyone can go buy it. So it's not really an opportunity. But the fundamentals of property never change. And when you've got 50 or 100 or 300 or 400 properties being built in those three streets, there's an abundance of supply. And, you know, I don't know how many times we've said supply and demand on this show, on this podcast, but it's always supply and demand. If I'm building 300, 500 more properties, there's so much supply. And if there's not enough demand, prices are only going to go one way. And usually the areas that these off-the-plan properties are being built are in big greenfield areas because they need the space. So there's a lot of supply. It's not like they're just building a new one in the middle of Sydney City. No, they're going out west or southwest or wherever there's plots of land. So it's, it just never makes sense, honestly. I would never, ever consider an off-the-plan property as a as waste an investment. As well. You're wasting a year of finding other opportunities to invest in as well. So it's kind of taking more time than money from you as well. 100%. 100%. Um, I, I don't really have anything else to add like, to that. Yeah, go Mark. Sorry. I'm just going to say the other thing about just building on what KM was saying, not only is there so many of them in the one place, they all look identical. Um, yeah. So it's not like it's a unique product that 
is different from everything around it, which might draw um, higher value when you come to sell. No, they all look exactly the same, which is not going to help your capital growth as well. And that's and that's why we're seeing a lot of postcode restrictions as well for a lot of the lenders. Like, well, I don't I know us three were together with a BDM the other day for one of our lenders that we use. Um, and even when saying like we've, we've actually put rest- postcode restrictions on places where apartments are because there's a fluctuation of apartments everywhere. And like Mark's saying, you're walking in every single one of them and they're exact same. Yeah. So yeah. that's an excellent point. Scarcity is just as important as supply and demand. And if they're all the same, there's no scarcity. Um, yeah. It's like an apartment. They all built the same. That, that, yeah, that, I was actually thinking about that the other day. Um, after we left that meeting, I was actually, yeah. I can't believe they put a postcode restriction on it. Um, like, uh, it was very, very interesting. Should we say the suburb or will we thank the suburb even more because, you know, we get hundreds of thousands of business. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's going to sell. Um, if I was going to personal message, yeah. If but you want to find what, out. Like, everything, everyone's up. aware of it, road. <laughs> Sorry? Roads is one area, like roads, is actually, that's one of the one of the areas that everyone's very aware of where like, there's so many postcode restrictions, that's probably up there. And if you were, if you really are dying to buy an apartment in that place, and even if it is owner occupied, you look at LVR restrictions as well. Because the, the sell on price or the lenders look at it, they're like, okay, you can move in, then you can live in there. But what if one day you want to move out? Are you going to be able to sell that property for the same price that you purchased it for? I think that's such an interesting point that if the bank themselves are scared of these, you should yeah. not be buying them. Like right. the bank doesn't want to give you money for it. They're scared of these properties. They're scared of these assets. And the bank does a lot of uh, research and due diligence into what they give and money out for. If the bank is worried about it, you should probably be worried about it too. And it goes back to, you know, those properties as well with the power lines behind it, like or within 25 meters. Like a lot of my customers, like I was one of those customers I was trying to purchase a house like that. And then when I was speaking to a mate in the bank, he goes, why would you want to buy a property like this if every time you go to try and sell it, you're going to have to find a specific buyer to fit that specific policy to purchase that house as well? Yeah. So you're right. Sure. Anything that bank says no to, for the first time in my life, just try and go along with the bank. what the bank says because it's just going to affect you later on. Because if you're trying to sell this property and the bank's not going to lend to the next person to right. buy the property as well, what's going to happen? You're just going to be stuck <laughs> with this property that you can't sell. I mean, it's never going to finish. Um, you, 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 pretty, you pretty much need to find a buyer that can put down a 30 or 40% deposit down. Yeah. So the OVR can be 60 or 70%. I had a customer looking to do an Airbnb, um, get, get an apartment for the purposes of Airbnb in Melbourne CBD. Um, and I searched up on uh, one of the big fours um, spreadsheets that they give us with all the restrictions. Um, and he said, you can only go up to 80%. So I called and just checked. I'm like, this guy's a medico. Um, he should be able to go up to 90%. Um, can we go up to 90%? And of course not. So the postcode restriction overrules any restriction, any sort of LVR um, with LMI waivers that you can, even if you're under one of the professional packages as well. No one's immune. Yeah, that's a great point. So in summary, don't buy off the plan. <laughs> don't buy off the plan. <laughs> if, if the bank doesn't want to give you money for it, don't buy off the plan. Uh, anything else to add? Pretty, pretty straightforward. Yeah. And if you do buy off the plan, get in contact with your broker as soon as possible. <laughs> say. Exactly that. Who want to buy off the plan? Call Power Loans so they can talk yeah. you out of it. <laughs> 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 All right, boys. Pleasure as always. Thank you. Next week. Next week. Yeah. Yeah, bye.